Last week, how many of you were here last week? Show me your hands. How many of you were touched last week? How many of you felt the presence of God last week? How many of you got excited last week? How many believe God moved in the house last week? Good. How many of you believe he's going to move again this week? Because now it's into part two of where we were last week. And I told God, I said, God, I don't know how to get any better than where we were last week. He said, no, you delivered my word. You crossed the starting line. You put them on the path. Now we got to finish this thing. And I said, okay, let's do this. So last week uh, was powerful. Last week was anointed. We, we sat in here till 1230, which is unheard of in the local church. Two and a half hours and nobody went home? Why? Because God's bigger than our time schedules. God's bigger than our moments. God is our moment. And we were wanting God to move. The thing is, is that God is desiring to move in the earth again, but he's looking for people that will be willing to allow him to move again. And I'm going to say this to you very loudly and very clearly, is that the church has gotten to a point where it is strangulating God's movement. It has got its hands around his neck rather than his hand, their hands on his heartbeat. They're saying, God, that's enough. You have had your time. No, God has not had enough time yet. That's the problem in the earth today. God has not had enough time yet. Because we keep trying to push him back out. Well, don't have a church service longer than this. Don't do this longer than this. No, listen. I am not going to stop God from moving in his people. If the people are not ready to receive God, then they're going to have to find a church that's comfortable for them. But in this house, God will not be stopped. And so two weeks ago, I was sitting in a sermon, and I asked, said this question. And I, I tell you guys all the time, be careful what you ask God for, because he will always answer. And I asked this question, I said, what will this house, this body of believers be known for? What will they say about us at the house? How will, be, how will we be remembered as we finish this life and cross God's finish line? I'm always reminded of this one question. If the church were to close tomorrow, would it affect the community? Would it affect our city? Or would we just be another building that closed because another church couldn't make it? What would we become? I believe that today the church as a whole has abandoned its core purpose. I think we have gone to the feel good rather than the feel God. I think we have gotten to the emotional spaces of comfort rather than change. We've become a place of maintenance rather than deliverance, a place of convenience rather than holy conviction, a place of contemplation rather than demonstration. The Bible declares that signs, miracles, and wonders follow those who diligently seek my face. So here begs the question, if signs, miracles, and wonders are no longer happening in the church, then the church is probably not seeking the face of God any longer. We are seeking the hand of God. We are seeking the blessings of God. We're seeking the feel-good moments of God. We are more responding to emotional moments rather than complete changes and shifts in our system. We say, God, move in this area, but don't touch this area. God, change this. Change them, but don't change me. Why do you think I said to you a few minutes ago, God, overcome me, not overcome everybody else? Because this is where we've been messing it up. We have been asking God to change everybody else and forgot that it starts in us. When will we start asking God to change us? When will we say, God, there is something in here that I need you to touch, not something out there that I need you to touch? It is time that we change this. And in order for the church to be prepared for what is to come, we need God. Mm. See, this isn't popular preaching anymore. Pastor, we don't need God. We need the feelings. We need the emotions. We need the comfort. We need the big kids church. We need the great worship. We need all this stuff. What we've only ever needed was God, and God has always been enough. 
But unfortunately, we have walked away from God being enough. And we have put our eggs in other baskets that have nothing to do with God. People ask me all the time, what kind of church are you? Are you in a non-denominational church? Yes, we're a non-denominational church. And the reason you say that is because that's telling the people that you don't have an affiliation with a denomination. We're not Presbyterian. We're not Methodist. We're not Baptist. We're not Pentecostals. We're not anything. We're just a church that believes in the word of God. But the problem is, is that the word non-denominational has become something else. The word non-denominational has now been translated into lack of God movement. Because now if I tell you I'm non-denominational, then I don't have to affirm to a core belief that God is the way, the truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is the only way to God. Because now we have pastors standing in pulpits preaching to thousands saying that there are multiple ways to God. Yet my scripture only says that there is one. But we don't want to preach that anymore because we want to tell you as long as you try hard, you can make it. Have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not declared your word? Have we not laid hands on the sick in your name? Jesus said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't know you. See, we don't want to teach this anymore because we want God to just understand. How is it that God understands when you desire sin more than the Savior? Because the Bible says that if you choose sin over the Savior, then the cross has become in vain. You have devalidated or devalued the movement of Jesus on the cross for your salvation. If we choose to go backwards rather than march forwards, then God cannot touch us because God cannot shift us until we say, God, save us. There is no miracle water. There is no miracle moment where you just where God just walks in and there it goes. No, you have to make a decision. Why? Because Jesus said, choose you this day. Whom you'll serve. He didn't say wait a week. Mull it over. Contemplate it. See if it sounds like a good idea. He said no. Make a decision. Why? Because if you don't make it, you're going to die. You are the one that decides where you end up. He's already given you a place. You just got to decide if you're going to go there. It is time that God is back in the church. We need his power, his presence, his deliverance, his salvation. We... We need signs, miracles, and wonders. Can I go back to that for a second? We need his power. We need his presence. We need his deliverance. We need his salvation. We need those things right now. No, please listen to me. We need them right now. Y'all are too quiet. I'm, if I got to shout you down this morning, I will. We need those things right now. No, Pastor. We, 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 we'll get the power when you do a great sermon. No. Somebody asked me this week, sitting in my car, Pastor, because you're a pastor, does that mean you have more, like, godly power? I'd love to say, yeah. Dude, I'm the coolest. But the truth be told, the same anointings on my life is the same anointing on your life. I just got a different job title. I decided to take on the responsibility of declaring the gospel for the rest of my life. That's what I chose to do. You chose to do whatever field of work you do. But that doesn't make us any different because if I got to carry God, let me just say this to you. The culmination of my existence, the thing that God has called me to do, watch, is to not declare God from the pulpit. It's to dare declare God outside of the pulpit. And if God has asked me to do it, what do you think he's asking you to do? He said, go to church, let me fill you so that you can pull yourself out again. The problem is, is that the church comes into the church now, walks, people walk in with empty vessels, fill it up, we put a cork in it, go put it on the shelf and go, look, I'm full. Come back the next Sunday with full vessels. God, when are you going to move again? I'll move when you pour out. 
I'll move when you get rid of what I did last week so that I can fill you with what I want to do this week. See, something's got to change because when I say we need the power of God back in the church, we should erupt. We should be like, yes! Pastor, I'm not loud like you. I'm not asking you to be loud like me. But you should be excited. I didn't say stand on a chair and run up and down. I just said you should be pumped. You should be excited. Yes, we need the power of God back in the church. We need signs, miracles, and wonders. We need deliverance in the church again. We need salvations in the church again. Not, well, I hope they get there. I'm going to go do my life. Hope they make it to heaven. Because that's how we talk now. We see the loss and it doesn't even compel us anymore. We just ignore it. It's kind of like a car alarm. Remember when car alarms came out? It was like, oh, somebody's breaking in somebody's car. Somebody went call the cops. There's, there's, there's a, we got to find them. They're breaking in cars. Now a car alarm goes off and you go, God, I wish somebody would shut that thing off. That thing is annoying. Who is that dummy alarm keeps just going off? We don't even take time to look if anybody's breaking into cars anymore. We're like, well, that's their problem, not my, not my car. Or the alarm goes off. Let me see if that's my car. We don't even go out to check and see if somebody got in our car anymore. Somebody must have hit the button. Turn it off. That we, We've been so desensitized to the urgency of the moment that we're just completely living in our own worlds. And God's saying, no, in order for me to do what I want to do, you got to shift out of this. You've got to want me back in the church and in you again. We have to get back to our roots, back to his commandments, back to his purpose in the earth. We must abandon the feel good and begin to feel God. The Lord must become our purpose and our mission. We cannot sit back anymore and talk. It's time for action. Pastor, please stop telling us to do. Why? Because the Bible says you cannot just be hearers of the word, but must be doers of the word. You cannot sit around and hear another sermon out of my mouth. You cannot hear me preach another scripture and you refuse to do what he has told you to do. It is not me asking. It is the scripture asking and if you deny it you're denying him oh i know let me get back to the blessings of god can't sit back anymore i didn't tell you this last week i shared it on monday night prayer i shared it yesterday morning but i'll share it with you as a church in my prayer time god started speaking to me and he told me that the earth is not shaking because of climate change get ready if you want to write something down write this down because I've never declared something so strong in my life. The earth is not shaking because of climate change, because of global warming. The earth is shaking is because God has stepped out of heaven. And the closer he gets, the more the earth shakes. But I need you to understand something. The Bible says that the earth is his footstool. The problem is Jesus cannot put his foot back on the earth yet. And the pressure that is happening is because the bride is not even being prepared for his return. We are running around in circles going, what are you going to do for me? What are you going to do for me? And Jesus is saying, I can't do what I've been called to do until you find the bride, you prepare the bride, and you make the earth ready for my return. That is why the earth is shaking. That is why there are storms. That is, and I know you go, Pastor, how can you believe that? All the science points to something else. Listen, I know there's science, but I serve a God who wrote science. So I'd much rather lean towards God than lean towards science. If we're going to play into the science game, then i got to deal with a whole bunch of ignorance. But if I play into the Word of God and I believe that the Word of God is the Word of God, 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 and it changes not, then I'm going to trust the Word. And whatever else the world says, I'm going to cling to the Word. I'm going to live by the Word. I'm going to die by the Word. You want to know what's going on in the earth? 
Why don't you ask God what it is you need to do to prepare yourself to be ready for what's happening in there? People are like, we're going to end the days, it's going to be zombies, and we got with zombie apocalypse. Man, yeah, there's going to be a zombie apocalypse. For the dead in Christ shall rise. That's what your Bible says. But the world wants to throw the word zombie on it. We've got to get our guns and we've got to hide food. And What God do you serve? Because the Bible says that he shall sustain you through every season in life. I am not fearful. I am not worried. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. But that's about it. Did you see the news, Pastor? Did you, did you see? Oh, God. What? Why are you so upset? Good God, Pastor, it's, it's, it's going to get worse. It'll only get worse if we don't do anything. It'll only get worse if we sit in our churches and play church rather than become kingdom-minded. The loss must become our purpose and our mission. We can't sit back anymore. It's time for action. So I got a question for you. Are you ready to be the church? Oh, that's great. Let me just let me step over here. I'm going to grab my bottle of water. I said, are you ready to be the church? Yeah. Now, don't yell at me because I'm going to ask the question again because you know that I'm going to keep asking until you say it. Say it because you mean it because you're tired of being in a church and you're ready to be the church. You're tired of sitting in seats hearing messages and you're ready to declare the gospel rather than be a hoarder of the gospel. I'm ready to lay hands on the sick and see them recover rather than watch people die in hospital rooms. I'm ready to declare the word of God because the word of God is life. The word of God is truth. So let me ask you again, are you ready to be the church? Good. Now you're ready. So Luke chapter 15, I'm going to read it to you real quick because I need to get to verse 8, but let me recap with verse 1 through 7. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying this, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And this is the kicker. This is the verse that just wrecked me. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 just persons who need no repentance. The church is full of 99. And when we worship, we, we believe that rejoicing is happening. But the Bible does not say that he rejoices in your worship. He says he dwells, he rests in your praises. But heaven rejoices when one is saved. When was the last time you started a party in heaven? I know it gets quiet, doesn't it? Pastor, don't, don't put me out. Like, no, I need you to feel that. What if I told you that until you move, heaven sits quietly? Do you know what it sounded like in heaven the day you were saved? The angels rejoiced. Why is it that we no longer have a desire to continue the party? Because truth be told, we've become party hoarders. The Bible says in the last days, men will become lovers of themselves. Blasphemers, adulterers. It says all these things. But it says we become lovers of ourselves. We need a party so that we feel better about us. Let me say this to you real quick. If you have a problem with feeling good about you, then you haven't found out what God thinks about you yet. Because if you know what God thinks about you, you don't have a problem with what other people say about you. If you know what God has declared over you, the world can come against you. But God says, but I'll deliver you. 
and I'll walk you right out that mess. He said, be, be aware that people will come against you. People will say things about you. They will despise you. They will, they, will, they will curse you. They will say things. It's okay because it doesn't matter what they say because Jesus says, I've overcome the world. See, here's the problem. When everybody else starts to matter, then God stops to matter in my existence. When everybody else stops to matter, then he becomes the biggest thing in my existence. When I'm consumed by what everybody thinks and says and does, then God is not the forefront of my existence. He is the backside of my existence, and I run to him because I'm tired of being talked about. I love it when people say stuff about me. I think it's fun because it just tells me I'm on the right path. You get mad when people say things about you. You should be rejoicing. You should jump up, go buy party hats, and throw a party. You should. You should turn on loud music, dance around your house. When people talk about you, you should be pumped. Let me tell you why. It is a sign. It is a symbol that you are headed in the right direction because Jesus said they would talk about you. They would talk. If the world's not talking about you, you're probably walking with the world, not with God. Everybody goes, Satan's attacking. No, Satan will leave you alone when you're headed his direction. Satan won't even come. Satan won't even bother with you. You're like, they're already there. I'm good. It's when he starts coming against you that you understand that you are on the right path to what God has purposed in you. So get excited. Be pumped. It's okay. God's got a plan. He's got a purpose. Doesn't matter what the rest of the world's saying. God's got me. I'm not consumed by the rest of the world. I'm consumed by what God has said. I need us to become party starters in this church. But let me go on to verse 8. You ready? You ready? It's going to be a quick one. I got you. That's a joke. Y'all know that's a joke, right? Okay. Uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 8, it says this. It says, or what woman? I love, I love how it says that. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, rejoice with me. See, there's something about he keeps talking about this word rejoice. 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 In other words, do it over and over and over and don't stop. Just keep going. He says, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let me break this scripture down for you. Is that okay this morning? You ready? Buckle your seatbelts. We're going to have some fun. Luke chapter 15, verse 8, the very beginning, it says, or what woman. Now, I said this to you last week. First one, it says, what man among you? Verse 8 says, what woman? Now, he has dealt with two Two genders. He has dealt with mankind. He has dealt with man and woman, which speaks very loudly that it is not the responsibility of one. It is all of our responsibility. Okay, number one. Number two, it also declares that the same anointing that is on a man can be on a woman. Uh-oh. rut row. Because some reason in the church, the church run around going, no, men can only do the things of God. You foolish bunch of obnoxious religious Lost folk. For the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn in two, and the Spirit of God was now available to all man, woman, boy, girl, child, Jew, Gentile, Greek, Hebrew. It is now available to all. Well, a woman can't declare, okay, then you have a problem with my wife standing up here a few minutes ago praying. I've heard, I've sat in church where people go, no, a woman shouldn't be up there doing that. You foolish, obnoxious, lost person. You want to know why? My wife hears things from God I don't hear. And sometimes she hears things I need to hear. They got quiet. You saw how quiet I got in this church when I said that? Pastor, don't say that. Don't say it. No, don't. you need to understand that because I believe this wholeheartedly. My wife hears from the heart of God. 
because she's a daughter of God. Women hear the emotional side of God, the daddy side of God. Men, we hear the father side of God. That's that one that says, get up, shake it off, let's go. Enough of your whining and complaining. Quit sitting around like a little girl and let's roll. That's how God talks to me. I don't know how he talks to you. That's how he talks to me. A little weenie. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. But to my wife, he is his, is his daughter. So now she comes and declares, baby, I feel this in my heart. Bubba, when she comes to me and says, Dad, baby, I feel this in my heart, I listen. Why? Because I understand that there is a reason why God made man and God made woman. Why? Because man needed a helpmate. Man, let me work with that. Let me translate for you in a modern English version. We are stubborn. And so he sent a woman to help us see our stubborn ways. Hello. Look, y'all look at me like I'm stupid. Don't write me letters. I'm not going to respond to them. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. That doesn't mean that woman is perfect. She ate the apple. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before you curse me, hold up. But had the man been there leading his family, she'd have never ate the apple. Oops. See, it's amazing. People, oh, the woman ate the apple. It's all the woman. Oh, don't do be stupid. It, took, it takes two to tango. It takes two people. But he says, what man among you in verse verse, or verse 1? He says, what woman? So I need you to understand that all of us have the same commandment. All of us have the same mission. All of us. They, not one of you in this room is any different. This is not limited to just a man in verse 1, but now has included woman. What man or what woman? And then it goes on in the same verse. It says, having ten silver coins. Well, here it comes. Having ten. I brought ten. Amen. I brought ten. Having ten silver coins. So they're quarters. They're not silver, but it's close enough. Having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin. Now, what, now, now understand this. Uh, I, got, I got nine, but one went missing. Is it, do I have my completion? I had ten. You know what's amazing to me? One missing doesn't bother us anymore. <laughs> okay, now watch this. Watch this. I'm going to say this to you real quick. I was a kid, I was about six years old. We were sitting in a gymnasium at an old church or an older church in New Orleans. And I'll never forget, it was a night, uh, this will be for some of you, the Rambos were in town. And I was walking around, the, they were having some big fellowship. Some of you don't even know who the Rambos are. That's okay. Uh, that just shows you my age. Amen. And, uh, and so we were walking around the gym and I found a penny. And I proceeded to pick up the penny and then put the penny in the trash. Watch. My grandmother caught me. <laughs> Not good. What are you doing? Threw the penny in the trash. And she proceeded to, di to discuss with me the value of a penny. It's just a stupid penny. There's hundreds of them. If you walk around looking long enough, if you probably walked in the parking lot, you'd probably find one. Pennies are everywhere. But she needed to explain to me the value of a penny. My daughter was sitting in the back office this morning. She said, doing math. I don't know why my daughter thinks that math is cool, but she just does. I hate math, but she thinks it's cool. And, and so she's like, Dad, you realize that it would take 10,000 pennies, 10,000, to make 100 bucks? And I'm going, girl, if you got the time to get 10,000 pennies, all the power to you, because I'm not chasing 10,000 pennies. But she started to help me understand the value of a penny. I'm going to say this to you because this is culture day. We do not value money. No wonder we don't value people. <laughs> what I didn't realize, and even at 41 now, after thinking about that conversation, is if I took that and translated that today, you can't throw away a penny the way you can't throw a soul away. See, if a penny loses its value, then people lose its value. 
Because if money is what allows you to do what you're able to do, then a soul allows heaven to rejoice. Which one would you rather? See, we don't value anything anymore. We just value us. All the value is on us now. We value our house, our cars, our jobs, our money, our bank accounts, our kids, our wife. And you should have value on those. But God says, I need you to have value in other things as well. I need you to find the values. Having 10 silver coins, she loses one coin. No one's checking their pockets anymore to make sure that it's all still there. No one is checking to see if it's also, okay, let me prove it to you. Ready? Ready? How many people in this church are not here this morning? Well, pastor, that's your responsibility to call them and check on them. Really? Tell me where it says that in the Bible. Haven't found it yet. Still looking. Because what's amazing to me is that scripture that I read in verse 1, it says, it says, what man among you? Now, I looked at nine different translations and never found the word shepherd. But for some reason, the church over the years has translated that verse into what shepherd among you does not leave the 99 and go find the one. When, please tell me when, did it become the pastor's responsibility to just win the lost? When did it become my responsibility to do what we should be doing? Because, well, I don't know, Pastor, it's, I got other things to do. Your pockets are dwindling because I promise you, if, not, if you don't find the value in the one, you'll lose another one. And you'll lose another one. And you'll lose another one. And you'll go, Pastor, I don't understand why I used to have a bunch. I used, all my kids used to be saved. What happened? My family used to love you, God. What happened? Broke is not a sign of a financial condition. Broke is a sign of an emotional, spiritual condition. But we don't take the time any longer to find the lost because what we do is we go, we'll just go make more. We've become printing presses, just manufacturing more moments that hopefully will feel good when it's all over. God says we can't do that anymore. Having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does she not light a lamp? Before you do that, hold on a second says, does she not light a lamp? I have to declare this to you this morning. You cannot find the lost without the light. Let me say this to you real fast. Stop trying to find lost people being lost. Oh, you're going to get quiet real quick on me this morning. It is amazing to me how sinners will try to win the sinner. The Bible says that the blind cannot lead the blind. How do you win the lost when you're lost yourself? you got to let God win you first. You gotta let God find you first. And when He finds you, you now have a desire to find others. Can I just say this to you as a quick statement? The reason we don't find the lost is because the truth be told, the majority of the church today is lost. It is not found. It does not declare it's found, it declares it's lost. Listen to the church, listen to the groanings of the church on a Sunday. It's hilarious to me. God, I serve you. I, I love you. God, I'm so broken. I'm so miserable. Oh, God. Can I just be honest with you? Just be real fleshy for a minute. If I knew that, that, that hitting you wasn't abuse, I'd feel like it a lot. <laughs> just boom, stop it. Because you are contrary to the Bible. You are contrary to the word of God. You cannot declare that stuff and then declare that God is your everything. He is not your alpha and omega. He is not your beginning and the end. He is not your first and your last. He is not the rose of Sharon. He is not the lily of the valley. Because if you can complain about your life, then you have not given your life to the king. 
And so we say, Pastor, we're going to go win the lost. And then we realize that in order to win the lost, you have to go to the darkness. Oh, wait, hold on. Let me make this a little bit better. Pastor, I can't, I can't see. I can't see. The reason you can't see is you haven't found your light yet. See, it's the problem. We keep trying to win the loss without the light. We keep trying to change the world without the light. There's only one thing that will change the world, and that is the light of Christ. God says bring light into darkness, not darkness into light. You go, Pastor, turn the lights on, turn the lights on. You'll only be scared of the dark when you start living in the dark. See, this only becomes scary when you refuse to carry this. I am not afraid of the dark. I used to be. As a kid, I used to run down the hall because I thought something was creeping up on my backside. Can I get an amen from somebody in the church that's ever done that? Oh, God, turn the light on. There's a, there's a reason you desire light. Because you were created to be light, not darkness. Turn those lights back on. Pastor, I just, I just want to go in to be easy. Let me help with something. We've got to stop winning the lost in the light. I, I won the lost day. Where'd you find them? Church. That's bringing a light to the light, you goofball. He said, take the light to the darkness. Why is it we won't go to the darkness? Let me tell you why we won't go to the darkness anymore. Because we struggle with darkness. And we won't do it because we're afraid. Let me tell you something. Somebody, somebody said, Pastor, I, I don't know. My wife told me years ago, she said, baby, I, I really believe one day God's going to allow me to have a ministry into the strip club. People go, oh, God. That's weird. They just let's condemn all strip clubs. What about the people in the strip clubs? See, we, we only want to save what's convenient. Well, I'll talk to my coworker, and that's all I'm going to do. What about the homeless person? What about the one that lied to you and took your money today? What about the one, I saw a post last night on Facebook, I don't really get on much, but I saw it last night, a lady posted, I don't do this much, but this guy, I gave him 20 bucks, and then he walked away laughing and pulled a wad of cash out of his pocket, there were hundreds in his hand, and you go, oh, I'm never doing it again. That's because you keep trying to give them temporal things to change their eternity rather than giving them Jesus. Let me help you with something. The next time you want to give somebody who needs something money, get out of your car and pray for them. Because wouldn't you rather than be changed forever than be changed by your 20? Listen, God doesn't care if you give them your 20. God cares if you give them Jesus. Peter and James said, silver and gold have I not. But what I do have, I freely give. What do you really have? Money is not what you have. God gave you the money. What you have is the kingdom of God that dwells on the inside of you. You might as well start giving it away. You might as well start demonstrating the power of God in the earth so that the world can believe that your God hasn't died yet. amazing how we won't value the one anymore and it's time for us to start valuing that one again she says she turns on a light she lights a lamp you can't find the lost without the light darkness cannot bring the light in order to find and win the lost you have to be found it says then after she does that she sweeps the house now, now i need you to understand you don't sweep clean floors you, you sweep dirty floors. You, you sweep dirty floors. You, you, you sweep dirty. Pastor, what are you doing? I'm trying to show you the place you should be, not the place you keep dwelling. It says he, she sweeps the dirty floor. She, she starts to look. 
hey, why don't you come hang out with us? Why don't you come do this with us? No, I got to I gotta find that thing that I've been missing. Can I just tell you something? The one thing that she was trying to find had no consequence for her rather than consequence for the kingdom. See, see, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't entertain your moments. I can't, I can't go hang out with you whenever you want me to hang out with you. I'm sorry. I know everybody wants the pastor to come over to their house, but I, don't, I really don't have time to sit with you and just jibber-jabber. I got to go do what he's called me to do. There's people in the world that are lost. Now, yes, granted, I have moments where I can relax, but the world is, waste, is resting in my chest. The, the lost is making my heart grieve because God grieves, so I grieve because my heart is in the Father. And so I understand you want me. Oh, Pastor, you're being a holy roller. No, I'm being kingdom-minded. I want rejoicing in heaven. I don't want rejoicing in my church service. I want rejoicing in heaven. I want God to be pleased with this vessel. I want to finish this race and him tell me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm sorry I can't go do what you want to do. I've got to go do what he told me to do. Oh, you're a holy roller. Well, I hope you roll into that holy place with me one day. It says she sweeps looking. When was the last time you swept the house? We, we have a house full of hard floors. I hate hard floors. You go, Pastor, I don't like carpet. Carpet's disgusting. The problem with hard floors is that the dirt has nowhere to go. So it ends up on your feet, which is really gross. And I don't care how many times you vacuum sweep, it's still there. So I like carpet because I can vacuum a carpet. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay. So, so what I don't understand, though, is why we won't sweep the house. Now, I need you to understand, I don't need you to sweep this house. This house has been cleaned. This house has been cleaned so that those that are lost and dirty can come home. The problem is, is that we won't go sweep the house because we don't deem the world dirty any longer. We just deem it normal. I, I could sit here and tell you about things that I see and things that I see and things that I see and things that I see. And you just go, well, well that's life. It's not life. Not for those who are found in Christ. That's not life. That's abnormal. When was the last time you swept the house looking for the lost? Because we're not doing that anymore. It goes on in that same verse. Put that up for me. So she sweeps the house, and then it says, she searches carefully. She searches carefully. Pastor Troy, I'm sorry. There's going to be a lot of sand everywhere. Amen. It says she searches carefully. Now, now, in order to search carefully, you have to have value in what you're looking for. Mm. Because if you looked haphazardly, you wouldn't care if you found it or not. It says that she searches carefully. Okay, maybe, maybe you've swept the floor. Still can't find it. But when are you going to get on your knees and start digging? When are you going to be willing to get dirty again? I know it's in here somewhere. Hey, bring me my water real quick. Bring my water, Troy. Because you can play with sand, but when it becomes mud, you tend to walk away. He didn't say build sand castles. He said get in the dirt. Get in the stuff that's uncomfortable. That's water. It dries. Get over it. I can't. It says she searches. In other words, I'll go through every fine grain of sand until I find that which I'm missing. Go on to the next verse because it says she searches carefully. I'm trying to help you see this until, until 
until. See, I keep looking where I know the coin landed. And it's not there. The dirt moved it. Pastor, I can't find it. I just have to give up. I have to give up. Do you know the word until says to continue until an appointed time? Who appoints the time? Not you. God. Here's the crazy part. When I threw the coin, it landed here. When the dirt fell on it, it moved the coin. But I know it's here because there was only one up here. Where did it, where did it go? I, oh, God, help me. I got to find it. I, I got to wait a minute. Why is the coin there when it started here? Here's the truth is that we refuse to look beyond where we lost something because we some reason think that sin can't move something. And so we refuse to keep looking until we find it. We just dismiss because the one area that we thought we lost it, it's not there. And it says she searches carefully until she finds it. Pastor, you got dirt all over you. So what? I'm supposed to be dirty. He cleaned me. He cleaned me so that I could go to dirty places and find that which is lost. Are you giving up too easy? Are you willing to go until? Or have you gotten yourself caught up in quitting before you finish? I know you've heard stories about my dad over and over. There is one statement my father made to me that will never leave me. If you ever hears this, probably the greatest thing you ever taught me. He said, Brian, I don't understand why you start strong but finish never. He said, you start with a great desire. For some reason, you quit before the finish line every time. Unfortunately, that's the church today. We start great. We feel God. We have a move of God. Man, we're going to do God whatever you tell us to do. Go to the dirt. No, I won't go to the dirt, God. God, I just want to be clean. I don't want to, I don't want to have that on my hands. I just... Because if I have dirt on my hands, nobody will like me. Maybe God didn't call you to be liked by everybody that was clean, but to be loved by everyone that was dirty. Maybe he didn't call you to keep shaking clean hands, but start shaking dirty hands. Maybe he called you to do something beyond you. Listen, you were once lost and someone found you. Can you please go find somebody else? Are you giving up too easy? Are you willing to go until, until what? Until the appointed time. When is the appointed time? When you breathe your last breath. Somebody asked me, will you ever retire? Nope. Why? Because I'm not called. I'm not, my, my assignment is not pastoring. My assignment is his kingdom. It is not preaching. It is his kingdom. I will never retire. On my deathbed, I'll try to win a nurse to Jesus. If that's how I go. But whatever it is, I'm going to raise my children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. I'm going to love my wife as Christ loved the church. And then I'm going to tell everybody else in the world what he came to do and what he's still doing today. And I will not rest until it's over. And that will be my appointed time. The only reason we're not willing to look until 
because the human soul has lost its value. We give up because we've lost value in each other. We don't value each other. We value what we do for each other. And the only way we have value is when we do for each other. But then it goes on in verse 9. Pastor Ben, come on. In verse 9 it says this. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Uh, let me see here. Lakin, come here. Come here. Y'all don't know, a lot of y'all don't know Lakin. Lakin's known me for a long time. The enemy's tried to destroy Lakin. When she came home last week, I rejoiced. My wife came and said, Baby, did you see Lakin? I said, yeah, baby, I saw her. Isn't it good to see her? It's great to see her. We bumped into her at Walmart. And she messaged us again, can I come over one day next week for dinner? Yes. Here's the problem. We look at people and go, it's good to see you. But on the inside, I'm screaming and shouting, Lakin's home. Lakin's home. And it's not, listen, let me say this to you. It's not because she's a sinner. It's because she's home. Stop getting lost in the sinner and get lost in what's coming home. I'm not rejoicing over what she's been through. I'm not rejoicing over the struggles she's been through. I'm not, re- no, I'm rejoicing because she's home. I, it was, what you don't know is when, when my kids were little, she used to babysit my kids. And, and, and we were sitting in the parking lot at Walmart. I didn't even see her. Judas jumps about the, Dad, it's Lakin. Didn't you, son? Freaked me out. Like, what? 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 Lakin. Why? She's home. Hey, Robert, Lakin's home. Hey, Les and Patricia, I know you don't know her, but. Like it's home. And it says that he, she goes and tells others. And then they rejoice. Because she's home. Go sit down. I know it's weird standing up here. I get it. will be the one. Who? Who? Maybe you are the one. Maybe you need to let God win you today so that you might win others. But it says there, it says, when she's found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the I have found the peace. The puzzle is not complete until all the pieces are home. Stop trying to complete a puzzle without the missing piece. 
don't quit until. And it goes on in verse 10. It says, likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. God's speaking to some of you right now. I got everything in me wants to just go after it, but I can't save you. Only God can. But I can give you an opportunity. How much longer can we live our lives saying the one is not worth it? Why did we start the one project? Because it's going to be the motive of motivation of what we do to win the lost. I'm going to freak out every religion in our community. Because what they thought they had a hold on, I'm about to rip out of their hands. There is no Buddha. There is no Allah. There's no Muhammad. There's God. And he is everything. And I will not waver from that statement. Oh, but you're just another formed religion, a man-made religion. No, I'm not. The only book that has stood the test of time is the word of God. Everything else was manufactured after that. I will conform to the creator of the universe, of the heavens and the earth, the one who breathes life into man, the one who is the restorer of my soul. I will do what he says, and I will find the one. Close your eyes for just a second. Don't look at me. If you're looking at me, you didn't listen to the thing I just preached. Find the one. Find him. Find him. Find him. Find him. You know where they are. Find them. I just want to do church, Pastor. Find them. I just want to sit in church, be on the worship team, be an usher, greeter, serve in the kids' ministry. It's all futile if the kingdom of God is not your focus. I just want to serve. You can't serve until you've been found. And you can't serve others until you're willing to find others. Stop trying to serve the ones that have already been found. Serve the ones that haven't been found yet. Find the one. Find the one. Can you get dirty? Can you search until? Or do you just need another church service to feel good? I will not be a church that conforms to the comforts of the world. We will not be a church that conforms to the comforts of the world. But we will conform ourselves to the word of God and what he has asked us to do as his children.
We will love the Lord God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we will love our neighbor as ourselves. For these are the two greatest commandments. Everybody stand to your feet.